you have your Bibles today, you can open up with me to the book of Luke chapter 12. As we continue our study through this book, we come to a passage of Scripture very appropriate, I believe, for where we are this week in particular, considering all of the events of this week. We're going to pick up with verse 4. As we read just moments ago, I'm not going to reread the passage to you, but we're going to pick up in verse 4 and go through verse 7 today. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He is talking to a great crowd of people. Uh, there were many thousands of people that were milling around by this point. And he is speaking to them. He is speaking to them through his sermon to his disciples themselves. And in the process, speaking to Pharisees and Sadducees, those who hate him, those who hate his disciples. It's a message to them as well as to the disciples themselves because they were there. They were hearing and Jesus knew they were hearing. He's giving a challenge. He's giving encouragement both to the disciples there in that day as well as to all of us today. Isn't it a wonderful thing that Jesus has saved us and that we are not responsible for our salvation? That it is all dependent upon the work of Christ. It's all dependent upon his grace. It's all dependent upon his shed blood on the cross for our sins. Isn't that a wonderful thing? He saves us and he keeps us saved. And whatever we face in life, he keeps us saved. He keeps us in himself. And he gives us grace. He gives us strength. He gives us power for whatever it is in life that we face so that we might have the potential in the midst of that salvation, in the midst of this new life and walk that we have with him to give him glory. That's what our life is about, guys. I mean, you may think it's about something else. You may think it's about accumulating wealth or buying houses, buying clothes, or having a, a cush, comfortable life. But it's not about any of those things. It is about glorifying God, making much of Him, making Jesus famous to a lost world who is headed to hell. And as we do that, as we live out <coughs> this new life that God has given us through His Son, Jesus Christ, we are going to be persecuted. And some will even be called to become martyrs. It is a fact of life that the normal Christian experience is persecution and martyrdom. Jesus spoke in John chapter 16, verse 33, these words, In this world you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. He's not saying there that some of you will. A handful of you will. He says, you, my disciples, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. This is the normal Christian experience. If you are a normal Christian, normal in terms of what the New Testament defines a Christian to be, you will have trouble. You will have persecution. But he says there, take heart, for I have overcome the world. You will have trouble and you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Just a few verses prior to that, in the same chapter, verse 2, John 16, 2, Jesus says, Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that he is offering a service to God. Persecution, martyrdom, the normal Christian experience. It is a part of the normal Christian experience. Experience. And the reason for this is simple. We as Christians are always counter-cultural. We are always going against the grain. 
We are always swimming upstream. We are always going to be in the minority. Now, there are some folks that think, well, we just need to pray and we need revival and then our entire culture is going to be changed to a Christian culture and we're just going to have this wonderful Christian nation and it will be the United Church of America. It's never going to become that, folks. We are always going to be the minority. Now, we may have great impact upon our culture and we may have great blessing because the impact of God's people upon a culture. We may have great revival and see millions saved in the culture. We pray for that. We hope for that. We want that. But we are always going to be in the minority. We are always going to be countercultural. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who Find it. We are always going to be in the minority because there are few who find the way unto salvation. That is a fact that we in the American church need to know. We need to understand. We need to accept. And we need to know and we need to accept the fact of the matter that Jesus has promised us that the normal Christian experience is one of tribulation and persecution and even martyrdom. Whether it happens in Syria at the hands of ISIS or it happens in South Carolina at the hands of a lone madman, there are going to be people who hate us because we are followers of Christ and they are going to kill us because we are followers of Christ. This is real uplifting, exciting. Didn't come here to be depressed today, right? Those are the facts. But Jesus says here, When you face such things, do not fear. Now, isn't that something? He says here, when you face these things, do not fear. I'm reading now from the New Living Translation. He says, dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. Don't be afraid of them. Now, this word fear in the original language means to put to flight by terrifying someone. And it also means to reverence, to venerate, to treat with deference or reverential obedience. There's two sides to it. This could probably best, this idea of fear as presented here in the Greek can best be illustrated by a story I recently heard about Nikita Khrushchev. Now some of you guys, old timers among us, you know who Nikita Khrushchev is. Nikita Khrushchev was the leader of the Soviet Union some time ago. He is Uh, Great claim to fame was taking off his shoe and beating it on a table at the UN. And he was really John Kennedy's nemesis on the other side of the Cold War during the 60s. But during his years as premier of the Soviet Union, he denounced many of the policies and atrocities of Joseph Stalin. And once as he censured Stalin in a public meeting, Khrushchev was interrupted by a shout from a heckler in the audience. You were one of Stalin's colleagues. Why didn't you stop him? Who said that? Said Khrushchev. An agonizing silence followed as nobody in the room dared to move a muscle. Then Khrushchev replied quietly, Now you know why. You see, Jesus is saying, Do not fear. Do not revere 
He's saying here to his followers, don't be terrified to those who can physically cause you harm. Do not revere them, defer to them, or obey them in order to escape harm's way. Don't run away from your faith in order to save your skin. Don't be afraid. Well, these are tough words, aren't they? Because you and I don't want to be persecuted. We certainly don't want to face martyrdom. It's not something we wake up every day hoping will happen to us. We don't wake up every day saying, well, I, I just, I'm looking so forward to how I might be persecuted for my faith today. Today might be the day I die for Jesus, literally, physically in the flesh. We don't wake up thinking those thoughts, do we? We don't want to face these things, but should we face these things, Jesus says you are to do so and you can do so without fear. Jesus never calls us to do something without empowering us for the task. He gives us the grace. He gives us the strength so that we might face whatever it is that he has called us to do. However way he has called us to glorify him, make much of him, to make him famous. However it is he calls us to do that, he gives us the grace. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the power to make it so. And one of the interesting things about these videos being put out by ISIS right now uh, the media glosses over, pays no attention to, and doesn't really talk about something very important you'll see in some of these videos. One in particular you've seen at least parts of, these line of men that are on the beach in Libya awaiting to be beheaded for their faith in Jesus Christ. And you'll see them walked out, and you'll see them knelt down, and you'll see them awaiting their execution. But what the media does not talk about is what's going on in that moment if they focus their cameras in a little tighter. These fellows are on their knees awaiting their execution. Their mouth is moving. They are praying. You don't see fear on their face. In fact, there's one fellow in that video that if you look closely, you can see him smile into the camera. And I think, how in the world can someone do that? How in the world can someone smile into the camera? How in the world can someone face their moment of death in such a horrific kind of way with a sense of peace and serenity and strength. It's because they are doing so in prayer, in Christ, in His grace. These men lift up Jesus Christ and make much of Him and glorify Him in the peace He gives them in the moment of horror moment of their martyrdom. Jesus never calls us to anything that he does not give us the power and the grace to do. And Jesus says in this passage of scripture, he says, do not be afraid when you're persecuted. Do not be afraid should you face even martyrdom. Instead, he says here that we are to fear God. Now, remember again, we're talking about reverence, veneration, to treat with deference and referential, reverential obedience saying here to his followers that we are to revere defer to and obey God regardless of the cost you see this is a message of perspective that's really what Jesus is trying to encourage his followers to do is to gain a right perspective in the face of persecution and even in the giving up of their life for their faith this life is temporary and the life we have here but a vapor, a fleeting moment. 
Time cut short here through martyrdom is of no consequence compared to the time of eternity. Loss suffered here through persecution is trivial compared to the riches and blessings to be had in Christ, both here and in heaven. We stand, we revere, we love, we worship, we honor, we follow our God rather than man. We revere Him rather than man. The question is today is will you consider the cost and count it as nothing to the surpassing riches and worth of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ? See, what Jesus is saying here is value your relationship with your Father through me above all else. And see whatever you might lose because of your relationship with me and relationship to me as nothing. Even if you should lose your life, consider it in light of eternity. And count it as nothing to the surpassing glory and the wonder of the riches that we have in God. He said, today we are increasingly being persecuted, even here in the United States, increasingly being persecuted because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And I have news for you, that is the normal Christian experience. We have been spared much of this most of our lives. We have lived in what some have termed as the Disney world of the world here in the United States of America. For Christians, it truly is so. We have been spared much, but it is coming even to our shores as well as our nation turns its face from God to secularism and humanism. We see increasingly that our leaders on both sides of the aisle, Democrat and Republican alike, they are at enmity with God. They are indignant. They are hateful towards Christ and His teachings. Christian businesses and leaders are protested, publicly shamed, and boycotted for their faith. It's coming. It's going to get worse unless God steps in and does something miraculous. But even so, we will always again be countercultural, and we will always face persecution. Sometimes it's better than others as far as how it affects us. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. But you need to know this. There were more Christians martyred for their faith in the 20th century than all other centuries before combined. And the 21st century has started even bloodier than the 20th. You see, philosopher Nietzsche who said God is dead said because God is dead, the 20th century will be the bloodiest in the history of humanity, and he was right. Because when mankind forgets God and acts as though God is dead, there is no restraint. Humanism is a philosophy and an ideology which leads men to justify anything and everything in pursuit of his own personal happiness. And we see whole nations pursuing that end. The question is, is will we consider the cost and follow Christ, trusting him for the grace, trusting him for the strength, trusting him for the mercy we need in order to shine brightly for his glory in the few days that we have on this earth. And let me tell you something, the cost the reason that we are persecuted has nothing to do with our morality guys it has everything to do with our affiliation with Jesus Christ it has everything to do with the fact that we 
stand here and say, God exists, God loves us, God holds us accountable personally for our sin against Him. And yes, sin exists. But Jesus Christ has died for our sins so that if we place our faith in Him and trust our life to Him, then we will not have our sin held to our account, but we will be saved in Him for eternity. The fact that we believe these things are true, that is the reason why we are persecuted. Satan hates us. There is a real enemy. Spiritual forces of darkness work against us and hate us. And we do everything in their power to destroy us, destroy our witness, destroy any possibility that we may shine brightly for the kingdom of God. The question is here today is will we count the cost and follow Christ? Those who fear God, love Jesus, and follow Him will stand. Those who do not know Him will fall. Let me tell you what something I believe is happening and is going to happen over the course of the next couple of decades. Persecution is coming. And unless God steps in to, to do something to stem the tide, it is going to get worse as our nation runs headlong after humanism and everything that comes with it and secularism and everything that comes with it. The persecution is coming to the doors of the church. And they are going to begin to persecute us economically as they come against us and our businesses, as we take stands for what we believe. It's already happening. They are going to come against us, call us bigots, try to shame us, try to do everything in their power. And it's not just the issue of homosexuality. There are many other issues out there which are coming, coming to bear and are going to come to bear in this matter. Persecution is coming. And what you're going to see is a great culling of the herd, as the old-timers and farmers would say. There's going to be a great culling of the herd of Christians, of people who call themselves Christians within the church. And you're going to see one of two things happen with all of the folks who sit in the church every Sunday. You're going to see those who genuinely know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, who love Him, and are the kind of people Jesus is talking about here, who will shine brightly for Him in the face of persecution, and even if it be the martyrdom, even if it be their own martyrdom, they will stand faithful to Christ and they will come to church every Sunday and worship Him with the family of God. And you will see those who have called themselves Christians but have been nothing more than cultural Christians who will leave and never come back. You'll see the numbers in the churches plummet because there are a great many pews filled with folks who do not genuinely know Jesus Christ. That won't be every single church that that happens, but it will get a great many churches that will lose a great many people a great falling away, not from grace, but from church. Because if they'd have known the God of grace, they would never have left the church. The fact of the matter is, is you are going to see a great calling of the herd of folks. Those who run away in fear and who refuse to trust by faith in Christ. And those who genuinely know Him and who do. God tells us something here that is of great encouragement to us in the face of this. Knowing that persecution is coming knowing the call that God has on our life, knowing the price which is to be paid because of our affiliation with Jesus Christ, Jesus gives us a few words of encouragement here before he moves on. He says to us here, Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill the body. They cannot do any more to you after that. But I tell you whom to fear. Fear God who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the only one to fear. And then he says this, What is the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. 
and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. God is concerned about us. He loves us. God is concerned about even the most trivial things in this life, even a sparrow. God is concerned with the minutiae of life, the little intricacies of life, even the number of hairs upon our head. See, God just doesn't throw out blanket statements and say you're going to face persecution. You're going to face maybe even martyrdom. Take heart. Don't be afraid. I've overcome the world. Go get them. No. God loves each one of us personally and intimately and infinitely so. So much so that he gave his own son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. You see, we may face persecution and we may face even martyrdom, but we need to understand this. Jesus knows it's coming and always knew it would. He loves us infinitely so, and he's right there with us as we walk through the horror. He is right there with us as we walk through those difficulties. He is right there with us, holding us, grabbing hold of us, drawing us to his breast, right there with us, loving us, pouring out lavishly his grace upon us and his love upon us as we walk through those things which might cause us great pain and great sorrow. God loves us so deeply. He's so involved in our life. He's never forgotten us. Nothing has ever surprised him that would come our way. There is no day that he ignores us as his children. He is always there with us, intimately so. Walking every step of the way, carrying us through those fires that we would walk through. He says, fear me, fear God, respect me, revere me, obey me rather than men. Obey me, do not fear. Do not run terrified trying to save your skin. Follow me. Glorify me. I will be with you. I will hold you. I will love you. I will walk with you. I will carry you through the flame. Now there's a story of something that happened in the year 1900. Which I think exemplifies us so well. It was during China's Boxer Rebellion of 1900. And insurgents had captured a mission station in that country and blocked all of the gates but one. And in front of that one gate, they placed a cross flat on the ground. Then word was passed out to those inside that any who trampled the cross underfoot would be permitted their freedom and life, but that any refusing to do so would be shot. Terribly frightened, the first seven students trampled the cross under their feet and were allowed to go free. But the eighth student, a young girl, refused to commit the sacrilegious act. Kneeling beside the cross in prayer for strength, she arose and moved carefully around the cross and went out to face the firing squad. Strengthened by her example, every one of the remaining 92 students followed her to the firing squad. See, that one little girl... She lived out what Jesus is teaching us here. 
She said, in this world, we're going to have trouble. In this world, we're going to have persecution. But take heart, Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus said to face that persecution and face that tribulation with no fear of man, but instead revere and obey God and look to Him. So I'm going to walk out there and I'm going to kneel beside that cross and I'm going to do what? I'm going to pray. And I'm going to depend on Him to do for me what He has promised to do for me in this passage of Scripture. And that is to give me all grace and all strength from a God who actually lives and actually exists and actually does what He says He can do and actually can do what He says He will do. I'm going to entrust myself to Him and I am going to walk carefully around His cross as a witness to glorify Him. Some would say, why wouldn't you just trample the cross and ask for forgiveness later? Because this moment in her life was her opportunity to shine brightly for the kingdom of God, for the God of the kingdom, to give glory to Him, to make much of Him, to show every person in that army that He actually exists, He is who He says He is, and I will follow Him even unto my death. And He will give me the grace to do so. And she and 92 others that she encouraged behind her did just that, and their story is told even today to make much of a God who exists. Jesus says you can face it without fear, but in order to face it without fear, you must come to me. You must depend upon me. You must entrust yourself to me. You must believe in me. You must believe I actually exist and reward those who diligently seek me. You must come to me, and I will give you the grace so you need not be afraid. There are a great many folks who fear the tribulation, and the consideration of such is not pleasant for any of us. Not for any of us. We have a God who loves us infinitely, who's infinitely involved in even the most intimate, most finest of points in our life, who has committed to be our shepherd so we shall not want to lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, to give us the strength and his spirit and his grace that we may walk giving him glory in those paths of righteousness that we might make much of him to a lost world who is headed to much worse than we could ever face at the hands of his enemies in this life and eternity separated from him. You know, we as Christians, we are given a great mantle which is placed upon us when we come to faith in Christ. We have been handed a baton from the generations who have gone behind us that we might carry forth this gospel this good news from this God who loves us and has given his son for us let me tell you God exists and you may think that is a very simple unnecessary statement this morning but it is what the world needs to hear and more specifically what our country needs to hear is that God exists Jesus Christ is his son God created us. The Son created us. God spoke everything into existence. And we rebelled against Him. We sinned. Sin exists just as God exists. Any thought, word, or deed that is contrary to God's will. And we have sinned against God. Every man and woman child that has ever existed is born with a sin nature passed to them from their father and we are all sinners and have fallen short of the glory of God the glory of God being his original plan for us before we fell in the garden 
And the wages of sin, the payment for that sin is the death. And it is not a physical death. It is an eternal kind of death. It is an eternal separation from a holy God who loves us and gave himself up for us. The world needs to hear that. Our country needs to hear that. And the way that they're going to hear it very well may be in our spilled blood as testimony of such. But because he exists, we spill our blood with the apostles who've gone before us and all who've come since because he exists and this gospel is real. And it's worth living for and it's worth dying for. We hope we don't have to, but it's worth it because it's real. See, what our world needs to know and what our country needs to hear is that this is real. God is real. Jesus is real. Sin is real. The cross is real. The payment for sin is real. And if we will believe and trust that it is real for us and give our life to him, it becomes effective and effectual for ourselves. And it saves us and it changes us and it makes us a different person. And we're saved henceforth for all eternity because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's by grace that we are saved through our faith in Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection, it is not of works, lest any man or woman would boast that they save themselves. It is the work of Christ and Christ alone. See, we may face persecution and we may face martyrdom, but we don't face it for nothing. We face it because there is a world that is lost and going to hell that needs Jesus Christ, and we are the beacon of hope. We are the flames which burn bright as we are the Holy Spirit of the living God as He indwells us. We are the presence of the Holy Spirit of the living God to a lost world in darkness. Jesus says you can face it. You can face it. And you need not fear. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to look at it and be afraid of the coming persecution. Because we have a God who exists, who loves us, is intimately involved in our life, who empowers us to burn brightly. Let's bow together.